Hello and welcome to this Cloud of Data podcast with your host, Paul Miller. Today I talk with Robert Clyde, Chief Executive Officer at Adaptive Computing. Adaptive Computing began life in the high-performance computing and supercomputer space, but sees increasing relevance for their approach and techniques to the broader data center market, especially as an increasing number of companies become interested in big data. During our conversation, Robert and I explore some of these ideas and look at the ways in which the high-performance computing space may have a lot to offer the rest of us. I hope you enjoy this conversation and we'll come back for future podcasts from the cloud of data. Thank you. Rob, thank you very much for joining me for this podcast today. Before we dig into some of the details around adaptive computing, high-performance computing, big data, the cloud, and points in between, can you tell listeners a bit about yourself and your own background, please? Sure. No, I'd be delighted to. Uh, Long-time executive in the enterprise software space with over uh, three decades of experience. You know, interestingly enough, most of it has been spent on this uh, in terms of enterprise uh, security. Uh, so, I actually helped uh, co-found a company called Accent Technologies uh, that uh, we took public after about four years and ended up selling to Symantec in uh, 2000 for a billion dollars. Uh, and then we, um, I got lucky, and uh, Symantec needed a CTO, so I actually stayed on at Symantec for quite some time uh, there. But I really wanted to get back to small business again. I was very excited about the uh, about the cloud and the big data spaces and and what was happening there. And was thrilled about three years ago to find adaptive computing, uh, and uh, was 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 very honored uh, that the investors and founders wanted to bring me on as a CEO. And it's just been uh, uh, it's been great fun. I've I've really enjoyed uh, both the. Uh, cloud space, the big data space, and especially learning a lot more about uh, high-performance computing and getting to interact with uh, some of the exciting projects that customers have been doing in that area. Okay, good. And you mentioned adaptive computing there. Now, for listeners who perhaps haven't heard of the company or only know one of its facets, what is adaptive computing and, and what do they do? Yeah, so adaptive computing has been around for over 10 years. Uh, it started and had its roots in the HPC space. Uh, it has, uh, we are experts in scheduling and optimization and provide the Moab software that's used for cloud, big data, and HPC. Uh, one of the things that really attracted me to the company is it has very strong intellectual property. So adaptive computing has 50 patents issued or pending. Uh, in this space uh, with with some very early dates. So I I was thrilled to have that. It's great to be early to market and have fantastic customers, but uh, uh, if you can have some protection around around, uh, what you're doing as well, uh, that that bodes well for the the future for the company. Uh, Our investors are folks like Intel Capital, Tudor Growth Equity, uh, Epic Ventures, so so really marquee uh, players there and and strong partnerships as well with uh, uh, companies like HP, Intel, SGI, Cray, IBM, and and uh, Microsoft. Now, you, you mentioned there that you sort of you're in the cloud space and in the HPC, the high performance computing space, and to come at those, you know, fr- from the outside, they they appear actually quite different. You know, cloud computing is about large numbers of commodity servers. Um, you build them and you expect them to fail and and all of that. Um, HPC, you know, we're talking supercomputers here. Um, it's it's a completely different world, isn't it? 
Well, not not so much anymore. Um, I think that was probably true 15 years ago, uh, and certainly uh, with some of the specialized hardware that was out there and very common, um, you saw some tremendous differences. But but now you have more traditional uh, uh, data center type technology that's used on the hardware side, such as uh, you know x86 based uh, chipsets, GPUs, which are used in the data center as well. Uh, the, the, the various types of, uh, of uh, uh, backbones are similar in many cases also. You know, certainly you have uh, various types of Ethernet with gigabit Ethernets. You have uh, InfiniBand, and as you just kind of go through these things, you find many of, of these same items uh, in the data center. And where the real differences to me ha have lied is, is really the types of applications that have been stood up if you were to look at, at today's environment. You know, and we're definitely seeing some, some real challenges for traditional data centers based on big data. Hmm. So what sort of challenges are you seeing there? Are you suggesting that an HPC type solution is perhaps more more suited to these challenges than a traditional, um, you know, data center with its its more low end servers. Yeah, I think I think I definitely think the data center, when it comes to big data, has things to learn uh, and and can adopt certain types of technology that HPC has already done. Um, you know, I'll never forget when I was on a uh, on a cloud uh, on a cloud panel recently when we were talking about big data, and I was on there with some of my fellow CEOs. And they were talking about how they've been able to get big data to be spread out across the cloud and, and how they're really analyzing. And I just said, they're like, how big is this data? And they were like, you know, well, gigabytes. I'm like, oh, my gosh, let's talk about big data. You know, we have customers that have multiple petabytes, 40 petabytes at, at some of our customers, maybe even now into, by this time heading up towards 100 petabytes, uh, you know, Certainly terabytes not being unusual in terms of the data stores that are out there. And you just can't move that to a, a, a public cloud, for example, and be able to analyze that kind of data. It's, it's actually too big. Um, and and as, I, as I hit that, it started, I started realizing that when, when you come to cloud and try to do big data, whether it's private or public cloud, you really need to look at the types of applications that are going to be done and really what it means to analyze that data. So maybe I could do a little compare and contrast between a traditional cloud or data center, uh, private cloud or data center type of situation and what's needed as those data centers try to tackle uh, simulations and big data in order to actually get the type of insights that companies are after. So in a, it, traditional apps, for example, they run forever. They're steady state. You stand them up, they run forever. Think email servers, think web servers, think CRM systems. The, these applications are going to run all the time. The, you're generally running that data center for equilibrium and uptime as a result. You use a lot of virtualization. There are many apps per server. You use those, the virtualization technique to slice and dice those servers. The overall compute load, at least compared to what we see in the HPC space, is relatively light. It's relatively light data load in comparison as well. And scheduling is not all that important because you just, you really, it's all about provisioning and standing things up and uh, being able to optimize placement and utilization, which we have done a lot of. We have a lot of history to adaptive computing in that area. 
But if you look at simulation big data and these types of workloads, the needs change, the load changes, and you actually run these things until you get insights. They look like HPC jobs in many ways. They don't want to just run a little slice on a virtual machine. They want the whole server. In fact, they may want many servers. And in many, even though virtualization I still believe strongly in and can be useful as an abstraction layer, it's not enough. You need to be able to cluster these things and tie them together because it's compute intensive and data intensive. And suddenly scheduling becomes crucial. So think of doing the simulations to actually get the insights and doing the analysis to get the insights. That whole piece becomes crucial. And if you think about it, uh, that's not really what most data centers are set up to do. That's really more HPC-like. And my, my, my view is that as data centers move forward because of big data and because of the collision that big data is causing, you really need more of this technique. And I'll call it, uh, you know, we want to be able to accelerate insights, and that's going to take HPC-type techniques and cloud-type techniques together in order to really solve the big data challenge. So are you suggesting then that some an organization that's perhaps putting in a brand new Hadoop cluster, say, um, they're going to have to learn from the traditions that have come from the HPC space over several decades, far more than they're going to apply their existing data center know-how? Yes, I would. I actually think an HPC cluster looks a, I mean, a, a Hadoop cluster looks a lot more like an HPC environment than a cloud environment, for instance. Not saying you can't do it in a cloud-like fashion. I'm a big believer in cloud. I love cloud. I'm just, uh, it's just we can't be myopic about this, and we've got to be clear about what the size of the data is, and also not forget the compute side of the equation that goes with uh, the, the, the data. Hadoop is great, but when we've done our big data surveys, Hadoop is used less than 13% of the time to do the big data. Uh, I think it'll grow. I think it'll become more important, but it's hardly the only piece of the equation. We've tended to find there might be some Hadoop in, in, as part of the workflow. There might be some uh, uh, more traditional data that's, that's gathered as part of the workflow, maybe from more traditional data bases, maybe from a MongoDB or other types of less traditional ones. Uh, and then in addition, and we can't forget this, compute intensive simulation often goes alongside it. So you're using that data as a way to either predict the future or unlock insights into things that might change the world and provide a competitive advantage. And that, that compute piece is often forgotten. But just to give you an example, in a recent survey that IDC did of HPC sites, they found that 30% of the resources were being used at various sites were being used for what they call big data analysis and, and, and simulations. It's already happening. And, and the amount that's needed is big. And data centers today aren't really set up for that. They, they literally can be in a situation where in order for those organizations to unlock the future, the data center itself can become uh, a logjam as they actually try to get this stuff to run. Now, presumably a lot of the install base for HPC-type solutions is going to be the usual suspects. It will be large universities, it will be government research labs, it will be the Weather Channel and the Met Office here in the UK. You know, pe people who've had lots of money 
um, and fairly sort of steady state requirements around continually running big research jobs. They're, they're predicting the weather every day or they're monitoring stocks every day or they're sure. modelling nuclear bombs exploding at Los Alamos every day. How many of those workloads are still running on HPC simply because that's the way they've always done it? And how many of them are sticking with HPC because it's the best solution for the job rather than going to some of these newer, new SQL and no SQL type tools like Hadoop, like Mongo? Yeah, I, well, I think you're seeing a melange of, of all of those things. Um, I, I'm not one that's going to predict that, okay, the answer is move away from HPC. I actually think the answer is the data center needs to become more HPC-like uh, in order to handle big data. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not so sure that it's those guys moving away or just really all those environments adopting new tools and new ways of doing things that can better deal with the data. Uh, that having, having said that, Let's remember that big data does tend to be stubborn. It doesn't move around easily. <laughs> when you have large amounts of data stored, uh, you can imagine how, how uh, excited people dealing with that data would be about, a, I got an idea. Let's take my 10 petabytes and let's restructure it. Uh, my guess is that's not going to be high on anybody's list. Um, and so typically, the, the, the way in which data is currently being stored and structured is likely to stay in that kind of a fashion uh, and, and not be not be redone. That's one of the beauties of something like a Hadoop, which can deal with unstructured data. Uh, very exciting because now I'm not redoing it, and that becomes very very interesting. So I'm not so sure this is going to be all about let's take our data and and put it in different places. Uh, I mean uh, that you know some data centers still run COBOL apps. Things don't necessarily change all that all that fast. So that that's not my prediction. But as we as we uh, look at the amount that we have and the insights that we can gather and the fact that we now have sufficient compute power in many instances to be able to figure out what the future will be, do the prediction, whether it's weather, figure out where and when to drill for oil, you know, any of those types of things now, uh, figure out whether I should raise or lower my price and what the out likely outcomes will be. Or if we look at the medical space, will a specific cancer treatment work for me personally? based on my DNA. You know, these are huge big data types of applications, and the new tools will definitely be part of the equation. Uh, I think HPC has a lot to offer as we head towards that, and I think that if we were to look fast forward five years from now, the data centers of the future will have aspects of them that will be very familiar to those in HPC today. What looks different about a data center that's HPC informed? Yeah, the biggest thing that's different is being able to handle, and this is kind of interesting because it's a little bit of back to the future because data centers actually got start being able to handle batch jobs very, very well. But, but what, what it will be is being able to handle these large workloads. And in fact, we actually have a name for, for this. We're calling big data plus workflow, big workflow. And the real key is that they will be able to handle those big workflows. And the critical parts are going to be scheduling and optimization and being able to have advanced policies and meet the necessary SLAs, and then being able to make all of that work together uh, so that you can actually unify the data center resources so that you can run across virtual machines, bare metal, 
you know, an HPC-like environment, a private cloud-like environment, optimize the analysis process number two, which is going to mean that we can uh, do the necessary scheduling, increase the throughput and productivity, and keep the cost down and the errors down, and then finally, guarantee service to the business and meet those SLAs. This will become a matter of course. Now, oh, by the way, as part of that guarantee, make sure things are fairly paid for and allocated fairly. But this will become a matter of course for data centers of the future as opposed to the way it is today, which is if they're primarily a manual type of process uh, in order to get the answers through. So data centers today need to go out and find operators who used to manage mainframes and, and employ them quick. Yeah, or perhaps, you know, more, more uh, applicable, I would suggest, would be HPC type of folks who already know how to do this and would be using the same type of, you know, uh, uh, hardware, very similar hardware to what data centers are using today. Uh, so I'm not necessarily suggesting that the, uh, you know, that the people are going to go out and hire a whole bunch of mainframe guys. Those guys will probably stay mainframe. Uh, where they are. I really think that the the shift will come more from the traditional uh, HPC types of admins, which is far, far closer and and, uh, to to the data center environment of the future. Okay. And, you know, we we talked a little bit about, you know, the existing market segments where HPC is already strong. Take a step for a moment into some of the other industry areas, like, say, marketing um, or retail, where the current interest and the current promise around big data is perhaps introducing them to to ideas and technologies and techniques that are new to them. For For those communities, how should they be setting about thinking about whether or not an HPC type solution is the answer? Or a more commodity, you know, NoSQL, NewSQL, Hadoopy kind of way of doing things. How do they yeah. work through that process? Because well, if they simply look around, they'll pick Hadoop because it's got all the marketing hype. Yep. The problem is, and by the way, I think Hadoop is absolutely part of the answer. So I really don't see it as an either or. Hadoop is regularly used in HPC. So it, it shouldn't be viewed as an either or. What it should be used is in order to really be able to run these big workflows that are in the big data space, what do I need? And as I described before, because of the the workflow nature, and Hadoop alone won't solve it. Hadoop's not going to make sure all the simulations went along with it. You actually got a workflow that that uh, had the uh, the answer pop out at the end. Uh, you actually have to manually tie multiple pieces together: the Hadoop piece, the NoSQL piece, the MongoDB piece, the three, the the ten thousand simulations, and that alone will will drive you crazy. Uh, that might be sucking up twenty percent of your of your data center resources. How do I how do I make all that stuff work together in a way where all those resources are fairly allocated in both time and space? And that time aspect is almost completely ignored in data centers today. So it's got to shift. And, and even Hadoop is not strong at that time aspect. They're, they're not bad on the space aspect uh, in terms of resource allocation, but the time aspect or scheduling is almost completely ignored. Uh, and so I really think it's going to take a, a, a bit of a, a combination in order to do that. I do think it's big data related. So here's how you can decide if you need those kind of things. Do you have data intensive workloads? 
Do you or do you have compute intensive workloads or very complex workflows? If, if any of those types of things are occurring, then you're probably a candidate for this uh, big workflow uh, type of capability. If all you're really doing is trying to stand up very traditional IT apps, then frankly, you know, the, the traditional data center, uh, private cloud, public cloud method is going to be the right one to choose. But the minute the big data type of workloads enter into the equation, I think that shifts. And presumably tools like rocks are sort of part of this, you know, cluster management sort of part, yes, of, part of the story? certainly could be. Yes, yeah, certainly could be a part of that story. I think it's going to take a variety of, of capabilities, you know, some of which are being built, some of which already exist in either the cloud space or the HPC space. And that, that would be my, my biggest aha is I, I knew cloud was already going to be part of this equation. I was pretty sure Hadoop would be part of this equation. My biggest aha is, you know what, we also need some traditional uh, HPC-like techniques as well that are well understood when it comes to being able to get things to cluster, when it comes to being able to do the scheduling and, and make it all work. And, and ideally, uh, you, know, you, you, you would want to work with folks like adaptive computing and others who have expertise beyond just one space. So I think you're going to need expertise in cloud and, and uh, HPC in order to really drive uh, the infrastructure needed for big data forward. So does this mean that adaptive computing sees a role for itself in sort of broader data center management type space rather than just focusing on you know, the HPC big data type problems? Yeah, no, we absolutely do see our role as broader than just HPC. We already have delivered, for example, a number of private cloud uh, management implementations. So we, we've already played extensively uh, in that space. Um, and as we have looked at some of our customers, a good example would be Digital Globe. Uh, they definitely took a more traditional data center and wanted to turn it into uh, something that could handle very large amounts of data. They actually produce eight petabytes of data uh, a year from their satellite imagery and the analysis of that satellite imagery. And they have to actually meet SLAs such as 90 minute uh, time frames for first responders. And so they've got all these workflows that are going through their environment uh, for various customers. And then, uh, you know, a disaster such as uh, Typhoon Haiyan might occur. And they, after they have an SLA, they have to meet within 90 minutes and they still can't just drop everything they're doing for all their other customers. Very complex scheduling and management uh, type of issue. And they elected to uh, it's a good example of an organization that transformed their, data, transformed their data center and their private cloud environment to become more HPC-like using Moab at its core in order to do big workflow and uh, have done it very well uh, as, as, uh, as an example for that. So I do see that that is going to occur and that we are going to see that type of transformation. And sticking with the, the digital globe example, you say Moab, which is your tool, sort of sits at the heart of this transformed data center, what else had to change or does Moab simply work with what is, what's there in terms of compute and storage and networking? Well, interesting and enough, yes, work? Yeah, they, weren't, they didn't have to do huge changes to their data center. They were able to add additional you know, Moab software in and, and a little different way of managing it and build the necessary workflows. Yes, work had to be done, scripts had to be written, Pieces had to be put in place. In some cases, they had to be able to rebadge systems. 
you know, maybe they were running a, a certain Linux platform and, and on the fly they wanted to be able to get those to change to say a Windows platform. So, you know, those were examples of things that they that we helped them do and that they, they had to be uh, had to put in place. But it's not like you had to go build an entirely new data center. Um, you know, there are times when that might be when that might be needed, but that usually has more to do with the age of the equipment and the lack of compute power than that it's it's not well suited. Which would suggest as well that a lot of these these approaches are actually quite well suited to the public cloud as well, if you can just get the data there in the first place. That's right. Well, and and especially if you can if you look at these workflows, they tend tend to have different pieces, and this is why. Uh, software like Moab can become so important because you could envision scenarios where you might have pieces of that workflow that were not data intensive, that maybe data could easily be moved to the public cloud for those pieces, and you could run those in the public cloud. Now, for large organizations, the public cloud does compute in the public cloud does tend to be more expensive. The beauty of it is you can get it on demand. And there are definitely times when that might be exactly what is needed and could be part of an overall workflow and could be a way to augment the, uh, the resources that a, that a large organization might have. At what point in you know, a workflow or in a workload does HPC become the cost-effective way to do it? You know, I think amongst a lot of people listening, perhaps there's a perception that, especially towards the higher end of HPC, you know, you're looking at very, very expensive pieces of kit. Um, how, do, how do some of your customers sort of work through that process to decide when they want a more commodity solution, wherever it's running, and when do they actually want to start opting for the really expensive servers, you know, the, the craze and the, the top-end HP yeah. machines and the like? Yeah, well, well, first of all, the expense is not what it once was. Um, you know, the expense really comes from people that are putting in massive compute power. But it's not because they're highly specialized uh, systems that bear zero resemblance to, to data center equipment. Uh, it, it really isn't quite that way anymore. So it's really just a question of, well, how big do you need? Mm. And so the real difference is you probably don't need uh, if you're a data center, you probably don't need to shoot to be number one <laughs> on the supercomputer list. Yep. And so if you, once you realize, hey, my goal is not to be number one on the list, it's not even be in the top 10, what I really am trying to do is unlock the insights from big data. And certainly the hardware is much cheaper than it once was. I mean, these are often traditional x86 hardware, traditional GPUs, traditional networking, there are ways to, 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 to put these together that are, uh, you know, I'm not going to say identical because there are certain aspects of HPC that if you're doing a, a big workflow type of environment, you actually might want to adopt, but it's far similar than it is dissimilar uh, in, in putting them together. And it's really more of how do I line the costs up of how I'm going to put my data center together so that I can unlock the insights uh, that are needed. And, and it shouldn't be something that people uh, just automatically block out. And, and, I, and I do think there, for those who haven't taken a hard look at the way that HPC environments look today and how we might adopt some of those techniques in order to do uh, the big workflows that are necessary in the data center, I think, I think they, might, they might really miss the opportunity. 
Okay, so people should take a look at HPC because it's yeah. cheaper than it used to be, but you will be disappointed because you no longer get a comfy chair and bubbling water with your supercomputer. <laughs> that's right. You, that's really not, you know, having walked into these environments and I've walked into big ones, boy, I'll tell you, they look an awful lot like a traditional big data center. Yeah. Yes, indeed um, they do. And very, very similar. You know, you, when I start asking what's inside the racks, it's very familiar. Uh, now, I, you know, there are some differences. You'll see a, a ton of Linux in these environments. Linux is very, very predominant. But I would argue for when it comes to big data analysis, uh, you know, Linux tends to be an awful big player uh, in that particular space. But just to give you how significant it is, when IDC uh, just uh, finished their high-performance data analysis report, which asked people, how many of, of you are doing big data analysis on HPC systems? 67% said they were. 25% of them said they were also doing cloud. So this collision is like already happening and is well down the path on HPC. The, 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 the piece that I think is going to be coming is this data centers, and it, this has to occur because big data is stubborn. It won't move. And you have to look at where is the data being collected and stored. And if in many cases it is because of the applications that are being run there, the data is actually in the data center, then the question then becomes, okay, what do I need to do to my data center so that I can actually do the big data analytics and run those, those big workflows in order to accelerate the insights that I need? And those changes will have to happen with the data center itself because you can't move the data. Mm, yes. Um, so take the compute to the data rather than the other way around. Much cheaper to do it that way. And, and it's just the hardware is not as frighteningly expensive as it once was. It's really fairly traditional stuff. The, the difference tends to be what is the infrastructure I put in place so that I actually can run those types of big data workloads, which are not the same as traditional IT apps. Which makes you wonder, you know, how far this leads. Um, you know, Cisco have been talking recently about this idea of fog computing and essentially uh -huh. take, taking the compute closer to sensors, for example. Yeah. You know, could we begin to start running big data type analysis at the edge of the network or is the data sure. center the sensible place? You know, we're hearing the same thing from our customers. And the real issue is, you know, I said before, when you, when you need to schedule these workloads, and that, that's what big workflow is all about, so it's, it's big data plus, plus the workflow, one of the key questions is, okay, so where's the right place to run things? And I, I do think there will be cases where the right place to run aspects of that workflow will be out closer to where the data is actually being collected. Yeah. But it won't be all. No, I'm, I'm not sure you do all the analysis out there and everything else. It won't be all. And you also have to remember that a lot of crucial insights come from doing prior period comparisons and refining your models, your predictive models, by, by looking at history. Hey, I'm going to take a snapshot of what the world looked like, uh, you know, what my world looked like two years ago. I'm going to run my model, and I'm going to see if I can predict what it was going to look six months later from that. And uh, if, I've, if, I, if my model is correct, it ought to match that historical data. And you do this over and over again through different periods of time and we keep refining your model. That's a very, that's a big data type of application, and it, but it's also very compute intensive. That probably gets done in the data center. Yeah, 
Yes, and there may be a, a small piece of that which is current information from the sensors which is fed in at the end. That's right, especially if you're looking at, because there are real-time applications for big data as well. And so you've got, when you're looking at sensor data, there are two purposes for it. One is for those types of applications I just discussed, which is very much let's collect the data, let's be able to analyze it, and let's refine our model so that we predict the future, determine likely outcomes, or be able to play what-if scenarios. If I change this, what's likely to occur? But there's also the aspect of real-time alerts and real-time uh, actions that need to be taken. And particularly that aspect of big data, I definitely think uh, getting some of that those analytics closer to the sensors makes sense. Will will facilitate how quickly you can get those types of alerts and actions. Yes, yes. Which of course is Cisco's point. You need lots of network to move this stuff around, and, and you better buy lots of their switches. That's that's absolutely absolutely all of it happening, uh, and, and all of it is going to occur. But let's not forget, while we're working on that, that the back end of of uh, really being able to get the kind of insights to you know predict the future and make data-driven decisions. Yeah, yes, definitely. So when this podcast goes out, um, you will just have announced some news. Um, tell us about that. Yes, yeah, so we're announcing our big workflow solution, and um, that will there'll be a press release that will be coming out on uh, literally, I think the on the 25th of February, and uh, we'll be announcing how uh, adaptive computing's MOAB software can be used to implement a big workflow in a, an environment, either an HPC environment or a traditional uh, data center type environment as a way to really get the insights from big data. And so we're very excited uh, about that. We'll also, as part of that announcement, we will be actually mentioning some of the things that some customers like Digital Globe uh, have done, have already done uh, with this type of solution. And so, for those customers, you know, the Digital Globes and 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 the others, what are they gaining with this latest iteration of the product that's different from what they could do last year? Yeah. So yes, there are some new things. That, we're, that we are announcing uh, as part of uh, the, uh, what we're calling our MOAB uh, 7.5 release that's coming out. And they're in the three areas that we talked about before. So first was being able uh, to unify the uh, data center resources. And then second was to be able uh, to optimize the analysis process. And third was guarantee services to the business. So let me take you through uh, what some of the new capabilities are. So in unifying the data center resources, we've asked role-based, we've added role-based access controls. So this allows port the ability to have multi-tenancy for secure resource sharing among, amongst different users, departments, and, uh, and customers. Uh, and, and so that's very useful, particularly if you're doing cloud-like uh, things with Moab. On the... Uh, uh, we've also integrated for our HPC customers that use Alps Basel 1.3. That's now in there as well. Uh, just an important thing to them if they happen to be great customers. On the analysis, on optimizing the analysis process, one of the things we didn't touch on, but it's just huge as part of all this. We we talked about SLAs, but we mainly talked about time-based SLAs. But we also have many customers that have to have uh, very tight power management. 
fact, we have some customers actually can't get more power for their data center or not much more power for their data center. So we've actually added advanced power management process policies for true resource power down. And uh, we also uh, actually now have power scripts that comply with the new uh, integrated power management interface for green computing standards. That's the IPMI um, uh, interface for green computing. Very important to uh, customers all around the globe. European customers are, are especially excited about these, uh, these new features uh, that will enable them to, to meet the green computing standards that they have to. Also, as part of the optimization, we've, in, we've actually uh, uh, significantly increased the scheduling speed that we've put in place through a message bus uh, that we've put together. So we can delegate communication to that message bus, and that then allows Moab to stay more focused on the scheduling versus the communication. And then finally, on the guarantee side, we've added a number of significant enhancements to the Moab Accounting Manager uh, so that we can do a better job of, of uh, helping our customers ensure that the uh, use of resources is in fact fairly uh, allocated and accounted for. And so we've put in some capabilities. We have high availability connections now. We have non-blocking accounting calls that make it even more efficient to use this and really improve the synchronization between uh, Moab and the accounting manager. And then we've also done an upgrade to our uh, user interface, our viewpoint user interface, which has added uh, way more uh, dashboard notifications and gadgets, uh, particularly in a cloud-like environment where we can reveal those lifecycle states as well and uh, also added some diagnosis capability. <clears throat> We've also added more custom reports that make it even easier to uh, uh, build your own reports. Many of our customers love to do uh, custom reports in this aspect, so we have an expanded API for that. Uh, we've also added a service phase transition that, that gives a reduced diagnosis time for error transparency throughout the service lifecycle. And uh, because it's very important to be able to log and keep track of what's happening across an entire environment, our Moab logs are now Splunk ready uh, across all the components of Moab and its web services. For, so for our many customers who are using uh, uh, Moab and have Splunk, uh, that, that just makes life much much more integrated and easier for them. So those are some of the cool things that we've put into the very latest release. And uh, we're, we're really looking forward to uh, being able to talk more to our customers about big workflow. That's another key thing about the announcement. That'll be the first time we'll be using the term big workflow. Uh, we th really think it's an important way at looking at how we can actually build the necessary infrastructure and run those workloads in order to do big data. And although it's the first time you're using the, the terminology, big workflow, do you think it's something that implicitly your customers will already understand, or is this a new idea for them? Excellent point. Uh, we have previewed this with a number of our customers, so we actually know what they think about it. And they, they, they do implicitly understand it, and most of them self-identify and say, yep, we've already been doing a lot of that. And that's a good way of describing it instead of the long way we've been describing it before. So, you know, thank you, Adaptive Computing, for coining the term. Uh, but, uh, yes, they, they do implicitly understand that this, this is the kind of thing that's needed. And, and many of them, uh, you know, are realizing that, that uh, you know, they're, they're on that leading edge of having already figured out how they can accelerate insights 
with Big Workflow, which has those HPC and cloud-like capabilities in order to do that and view themselves on the on the cutting edge of being able to do that. And you know, if you ask any of them, do you think that uh, your insights would help other traditional data centers that might be struggling with big data? They would tell you in a heartbeat, yes. You know, this is this is a way to get this kind of thing done. How do you think those traditional data centers that, that don't buy into an HPC-like approach, how are they doing it at the moment? Simply brute force that they're gets not. there in the end? Yeah, it's brute Exactly. So the, if, they're being any, if they're having any success at all, and I would argue many of them are just drawing pretty, pretty pie charts, slicing and dying, dicing data into pretty pie charts, which is far removed from actually putting together the necessary models of being able to uh, actually have insights, do data-driven decisions, and, and literally you know, improve their competition. So if you're just running a few workflows, you can do it manually. If you're running a bunch of them, you need uh, to have an infrastructure that allows it to go. Think of it as in the old days, the mainframes, and I'm old enough I can actually remember this, uh, you know, what, one way of, of running things was just make everybody stand in line with their punch cards and manually when they got up to the uh, reader, then it was their turn and their, their job got run. Uh, you know, that's pretty inefficient, wastes a lot of time and it's very manual. But in many organizations that work, that's how you get big data analytics done today. Uh, you, you try to get resources allocated to you. It's who you know within the IT department. You get them allocated to you and, you, and then you run them. And if somebody else comes along, you know, they got a hard argument to get theirs through. Hey, we can only do one thing at a time. You've got to stand in line. And, uh, you know, that's just not going to cut it if an organization is going to be competitive. Hmm. Yes, it's going to be very interesting to see how all of these organizations sort of um, evolve and change their, their workflows and their attitudes as data becomes more important to, to what they do. Um, exactly. You know, some of the the organizations we talked about before, clearly, you know, data is in their DNA. They, they work at scale. It's what they've, they've always done. Um, but we're seeing a whole range of other organizations that are just beginning to get to grips with some of this stuff. That, that's absolutely right. In fact, you know what I often hear is, uh, as CIOs, and I've talked to a number of them, that say, we're at the point where we know how to collect the data, we know how to store data, but we're struggling to really unlock insights from the data. Yes, yes, and that's you know true for for a lot of reasons. Some of it's technological, some of it's process, and some of it's not necessarily thinking properly about the sorts of questions and the sorts of insights they really want to find. Um, you know, let's collect all the data, and if we look at it long enough, the truth will emerge. Yes, or or like I said, uh, we can slice and dice it a hundred different ways and draw different pie charts. Uh, but you know, I. There's a place for them and it's great. But in the end, what I really want to do is discover something. And, you know, if you think about it, you, you almost end up as, a, as an executive. If you put too many pie charts in front of me where I'm saying, now I need a tool to analyze the pie charts <laughs> yeah. so that I can really understand what the insights are I'm trying to go after. And what I really want to know is if I do X, the likely outcome will be Y. Or if we did things this way, or change this, the likely outcome will be why. Or if the market does this, or if the world does this, th these will be the likely outcomes. Yeah. 
Yes, indeed. And that requires lots of data and lots of processes and, and all the things we've been talking about. So, good. I'm, I'm conscious of time. I think that's us about out of it, actually. Um, but, Rob, that's been very useful, very interesting, and, and I look forward to seeing some of the ways in which these ideas are spread out into the broader market. So thank you very much for your time and good luck with the announcement as it goes out. Thank you, my pleasure. Thank you.